Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Breaking Barriers Basketball Podcast. My name is Coach Daniel Diaz. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you to everyone for your continued support and for everyone who has reached out to me about this podcast. I know it's been a very long time since our last episode, and like many others, uh, my life and schedule has just been super busy, and um, I didn't want to put content out there that isn't reflective of my 100%. So I just want to say thank you to everyone for your patience, and I look forward to making more episodes with our great guests for you all. With that being said, today's episode, and what we're going to call the start of Season 2, is Breaking Barriers Basketball's creative director and my cousin, Miguel Ablaza. Miguel has been instrumental in the creation of this organization and extends way beyond branding, logos, font schemes, etc. Miguel has not only been a positive influence for this organization in terms of community ideas and events, but also instrumental in my personal and career growth. He's someone who I reach out to for photography advice, social media graphics and content advice, and everything in between. My cousins and I grew up like siblings and it's been amazing to still be able to share these stages in our lives together as we venture on doing things we never could have imagined even back then. I really enjoyed this conversation as we talked about Miguel's personal life, how he got into the creative outlet world, and his love for Bay Area sports. He has great insight for people in or aspiring to be in the creative design industry, and the passion he has for it is evident. Let's get to our conversation with Miguel Ablaza. Thank you, Miguel for um, being our guest for today. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to get this pod starting again and starting this, I'll call it a new season in terms since we uh, kind of took a little break. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time and being our first guest for this new season. Um, how's everything been going? Everything's been going well, man. I appreciate you uh, bring me on to the pod. I was actually asking about it because uh, I was using the pod on my longer runs. I definitely enjoy it. I don't know if I'm going to listen to myself, <laughs> I was though, just about but, to ask that. <laughs> but I really appreciate you doing these podcasts with different um, different people in the field in the field and out of the field, just how sports affects their lives. So I really, sure, I really sure. enjoy this. But yeah, doing well. Appreciate you taking the time to reach out to me to do it. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So as we approach the later stages of 2021, this year's coming to an end, um, what can you reflect on from this past year and even from before in the pandemic? Like, what's a takeaway you can give me? Well, I'll save the big obvious takeaway for a later question that you have set up. But uh, <laughs> um, I will say that the biggest takeaway outside of uh, that news is um, I've... I've learned a lot about being introspective of myself and just being able to reflect on things that I like to do on my own. Um, uh, obviously, I got uh, I, I moved into our new house in the beginning of the pandemic, and it was a it was a blessing in disguise to be able to do it at at uh, right then and there because mm-hmm. it's it was we had this all this space to to use and just be on our own and just uh reflect and meditate like i was literally doing a lot of like yoga and uh uh like doing just going outside for walks during the Mm -hmm. pandemic and just thinking of anything and everything and it just like it just feels good to be alone so that's that's one big takeaway just that time alone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what about um i know you kind of just touched about what life's been like but in terms of being getting more into like the normalcy and going into your everyday life kind of 
kind of going back to what it was before. Obviously, things are still a little different. Um, talking about how um, you have a little more time to yourself. How does that come in relation now to your everyday life um, as we kind of have a new new look upon our normalcy? Uh, I'd say that my social battery is is drained quicker. Um, mm. That's I don't know if that's a negative aspect of the pandemic, but like I really like. And that's sorry to cut you off, but that's saying a lot from like from you. You're like <laughs> energy, positivity, all that stuff, and then. Um, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, like when people when people see me or whatever, they like I'm I'm pretty social for the most part. Mm-hmm. But like after being alone for so long, it's just like I I make it an effort to have uh, to be alone or like stay home Monday through Friday mm-hmm. and try to have that Sunday like just to do nothing, not work or anything. Just like sit there, do like I mean, I'll do housework, but like just be on my own and not do career work or anything like that. Yeah. And Saturdays, like the day before, is that's where I try to do all my social stuff. So Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, that's where I try to do social things and I hope to have Sunday on my own like it's it's crucial to have like um, have boundaries and not feel like I'm not feel like I have FOMO or anything like Mm -hmm. that and it's like yeah I think that's I don't know if that's a negative or a positive but I (laughs) having a social battery is a is is something that I came out of the pandemic with Mm. are you guys still doing flag football weekly is that still a thing not anymore, because <laughs> because of, of the big news. Obviously, we uh, <laughs> we kind of like cut that out uh, okay. as soon as the fall season came in. That was my last season. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I do I do miss it. Like I was in it because of social aspect, because mm-hmm. I love hanging out with those people. I love mm-hmm. my friends and my family that we play with. Um, but it was that was also draining to just like. I remember at one point I was kind of just like, oh man, I got to drive out here for a game. I was going to say, because the drives are like an hour, five. So you kind of touched upon um, your new house and stuff uh, and and with that going. Um, have there been any new, any new projects that you've done lately? <laughs> well, I guess this is going to be a direct, <laughs> it leads directly to it. But the thing that I've been alluding to is that we're having a baby, as you know. So yes, the newest sir. project has been the nursery. Okay. So we've uh, we've actually we painted the the mural. Um, I believe you've seen it, but yeah. it's a it's like a, a mountain greenery theme who, for the mural. Who came up with that idea? Was that you? It was a uh, it was it was a, a joint idea between us. Like I picked I picked the main color of like green. Like it was a certain um, certain green that I wanted. And then uh, uh, Elisea picked the actual, like, real three colors that we used for the oh, wall, like the three okay. types of greens that we used. And she was looking on Pinterest, and she found that uh, mountain theme. And then we, I was the one that actually, des- quote-unquote, designed the, <laughs> how the mountains were going to look on the, on the wall. So it was definitely, like, a, a true uh, teamwork thing. And even on the painting side, I did the bulk of the painting and the cleanup, and she did the hard line. Like, we didn't have any, like... Uh, stencils or anything she actually took the oh, time snap. To, yeah it? to make those hard lines uh on God. the mountain itself so that was but a, she didn't do any painting did crucial. she what was that did she do any of the painting no yeah yeah she uh she oh, was dang. doing the painting of the, like the the harsh lines of like the mountain like there was oh, no stencil whatsoever okay. she so i painted the bulk and then she did the like where you see the the color change or whatever or the yeah, like yeah. the contrast like she did that hard line of the mountain um, like she'd close up on it and do like a little paintbrush and make that line itself. 
Hey. Hey, yeah, that's that was awesome. pretty crazy. Um, so like you just said now, um, having a baby coming up, and we'll touch on that uh, in a little bit, but it has been a big couple years for you, the new house, and then the marriage life. Even this was, what, late October or late 20, like about last year, right, around this time? Yeah, our anniversary was actually yesterday. <laughs> oh, snap. Happy anniversary. I see I knew that it was around this time because I remember it was Xavier's <laughs> birthday. But um, um, happy anniversary on that to you and Elisea. So what's this? Can you kind of reflect on what this year has been like? Has it been any different? Um, what's what's any challenges you guys have gone through or anything like that? Um, I'd say the biggest challenge is calling her my wife. Um, <laughs> there's this, especially like in the beginning when uh, I uh, I was like when I refer to her at work, I would still like interchange girlfriend and wife, and for some reason <laughs> I would think that my coworkers would think, oh my god, I'm too tired someone, two you know. <laughs> So that was that was definitely the hardest one. Like I've even been called out in social media, like, "Hey, call her your wife." I'm like, oh crap! So that was definitely like the hardest uh, funny change. Um, and then in, ter- uh, in terms of changes in general, I think something that we're still bracing. It's definitely it's like it's gonna be more on her, but I'm gonna try my best to help her out. But like her changing her last name is still something that we yeah. haven't done that we yeah. plan to do, and I know that's a huge process. So Especially I want to do my with, best to try and help her. Exactly because. Uh... During the pandemic, Teeny had trouble doing that too because it was like this was closed. You had to do set up an appointment, and it's not until a few months, and then this and that. There's, there's a lot that goes through it. Definitely, definitely, yeah, and yeah, I hear it from everybody that like that. It's like it's not hard work; it's just super tedious, really, yeah. and it's annoying. And like, obviously, it's paperwork. So, mm-hmm. who really wants to do that? So, definitely want to. I'm gonna say that's gonna be the biggest change or like the hardest thing that we're gonna have to do currently because like we've lived together for however many years and we've been together for almost 10 years in general so it didn't feel too different yeah. but there's still like there's like the technicalities that we have to go through that are that are a little challenging especially for her she's gonna have to have a whole new signature i think that's the that's gonna be the weirdest <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. That's. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna tell her that. I'll let you tell her that. And, uh, that way, she could. Uh, she could stress out about it on you. So. Um. So we talked about how you guys uh got the nursery going. Um, and you guys are doing big things with that. How have you been preparing? Uh, maybe in terms of mindset or other stuff that you've done besides the nursery to welcome uh the baby coming soon. Oh, definitely a lot of uh. Like the main thing that I've I've done to begin with was um, I was reading a book. I think it's like congratulations on being a dad or something like that. Or mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's called We're Pregnant, something along those lines. But one of those one of those parenting books where I basically read it once a week um, as as the pregnancy goes on. It it goes and tells me like oh like the how timeline? babies do it. Yeah, okay, yeah. It yeah. basically gives you a timeline of like what the baby is up to that week mm-hmm. or like how big they are, stuff like that. So that's that's been super helpful. It's not like. Yeah. It's not the biggest thing, but it is something that I, I actually look forward to every yep. week. So yep. and it's it's really nice. Um, but I'd say in terms of preparation, we're reading up about a lot of different um, products and stuff like um, different things. Like the huge, the biggest thing that we we like wanted to make sure that we had prepared or wanted like wanted to know exactly what we need for it was like the car seat and stroller. Oh, yeah, yeah obviously car seat like you can't leave the hospital without the car seat and just like i don't want just any car seat like i will 
I'll pay an arm and a limb mm-hmm. for the best car seat yep. for, that will, it would be for us. And yeah. I'm okay with, with, uh, with uh, biting that price point regardless because it's, it's safety. So that's, that's probably like the, uh, the main thing that we prepared for is just having the right items and obviously like the nursery and stuff, making sure that we're all set there. But also I, I don't think like we'll be a hundred percent prepared regardless. Like we'll, we could do as much as we can, but as soon as the baby comes out, like everything that we've, everything that we've read is going out the window yep. and we're just going to do what we can. Yep, exactly. That's funny you bring up the car seat thing is because Xavier is about to be two next week and we still don't know. Should we keep him at rear facing? Do we do front facing? Like we're still trying to figure that stuff out. So, um, gotcha. yeah. And you got to like, think about like, oh man, is he going to like the adjustment? <laughs> yeah, or, like, no. do, are we going to mess everything up and then oh, he's going to have man. to get used to it again? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's it. That's the fun thing about this stuff is it keeps you on your toes for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's not, like one of the things that I was thinking about. Like, what, what about like all the stuff that we do get, and all of a sudden he just does not like it, you know? Like, like we're gonna have to just buy other stuff like right off the top. Like, I didn't know about like baby bottles and like the 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 nipples and stuff like, like that. Like, there's like different types, and that yep, like that exactly, blew my mind. Yeah. We had so many um, bottle nipples, and then it turns out the ones he doesn't like, and even pacifiers. I'm like, man. So we just have these brand new ones that. I mean, we gave to people, but we were just like, man, what a waste of this stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like that's something that I, I I'm expecting. Like yeah. as soon as, as soon as they come around, we're gonna we're gonna have like a pile of like donations, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with him, with uh, the baby coming soon, um, what kind of goes to your mind? Maybe like either every day or like it hits you on one day you're like mowing the grass or like what kind of has the feelings or, or your mindset been as, as you kind of get prepared for it? Uh, I'd say like one of the most introspective things that I've thought of is like, um, I, I, as I've said earlier, like I've enjoyed my time alone. I like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go out on a walk or go for a run or like ride my bike randomly, skateboard randomly, just do anything randomly on my own without mm-hmm. telling LSA or something like that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the baby comes, what? I can't, can't do that, do that no like, more. <laughs> yeah, like I like I'll either have to schedule it, be like, hey, I'm gonna go LSA, just like watch the baby for like ten <laughs> minutes, or like I'm not gonna be able to do it at all because yeah. like she'll need the help. Like I, yeah. I'm not gonna, I can't do that anymore. And that's something that's like. I, I don't know if it's like, I don't want to say it's bothered me, but it's definitely going to be, it's gonna, it's a change it's that I, I yeah. have to adjust mm-hmm. to that I can't just like, like what if like, uh, I don't, I'm not thinking and all of a sudden like, oh crap, I have a kid. Let me go back to the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. There have definitely been some times where um, uh, some of my colleagues at work, they want to go like, go get, get a drink or something or go bowling or like something on like a Friday or whatever. Um, and I'm like, man, maybe a couple of years ago, I could have just went and leave. But now it's like, oh, got to pick up Xavier, do this and that, what needs to be done at home and stuff. So it's definitely an adjustment for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure like when that happens, like I'll be happy to be doing it regardless. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, what are some things you look forward to um, with the start of your family? So like an example for me, I, I'm, I really looked forward to, especially in the young the young um, stages of Xavier was like just going on walks, like you said, with him on the stroll, even if he doesn't really can't communicate with me or anything. It's just being out there, just having that um, pretty, it's kind of like an alone time. It's almost like a de-stressor kind of therapeutic. Um, but then as he gets older, I'm excited to do more sports with him and um, just kind of spend some time. So what are some things you look forward to uh, look forward to? 
yeah like along with that yeah definitely um want to enjoy like walks and i don't know if i'll do running or biking with them but definitely gonna enjoy that outside time to see like to see him interact to different things like i always tell i'll say like hey let's go on walks uh um as a family together because i want him to be uh like physically stimulated by everything that he sees you know mm. not just be stuck inside the house and uh see blank walls and stuff so <laughs> that's one that's one of the things I, I really look forward to and just like uh i don't know if, if this is like a, a good thing to say but i i look forward to overfeeding them and making sure that they're chunky <laughs> at first you know and then protein shakes as soon as they hit five years old <laughs> just kidding about the protein shakes but i i i like we have a we have a uh, family history of chunky babies so i'm hoping that our baby is also chunky you know so yep. Yep. Yeah, that's something I look forward to. And then one other thing, I guess, is uh, doing creative stuff with them um, outside of sports, like, you know, like taking pictures of them, mm-hmm. uh, making videos of them. Like those are basically just memories that that I could I can I can uh, make into physical reality. Like mm-hmm. looking back, uh, us, we have uh, videotapes and like photographs. But nowadays we have like social media, we have like TikToks and all those stuff mm-hmm. that we could use as memories. Like if you remember, Izzy had all those yep, vines. The hashtag, like, yep, that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be cool to see in in that sense, uh, in that point of view. So I'm excited for that too. Perfect, perfect. That kind of leads us into our next topic. A perfect segue, and um, we'll call this creative outlets, um, because you being our creative director for Breaking Barriers Basketball. Um, and everything that you're doing, um, even with your own stuff, um, how did you get into the creative space? Uh, I honestly definitely want to say that like when I was younger, when I was like in elementary school, I always loved drawing. Mm-hmm. I love, I, I love like drawing anime, particularly Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. um, dinosaurs, stuff like that. So I'd say that that's where my creative, um, background came in but i think as a, in reality like how it led me into this career i'd say it'd be our cousin Ati Gigi. uh she's the family graphic designer the first one that ventured out of the uh the stereotypical uh asian filipino like uh, uh career mm-hmm. um path in our family and she took graphic design and she became really successful from it and I just like looked at her and I was like, wow, this, this is amazing. This is what you do. And that's how I ended up like getting towards that path. I'm not a graphic designer now, but mm-hmm. like that was definitely like the start of like me uh, venturing into this space in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of touched upon um, your younger days. Was there a time in your life that you can recall was like your aha moment when you kind of just knew that this was something that you want to do? Um, or was it kind of just, it just kind of flowed into it, um, before, like before a TGG, um, was there, was it in your mind that you wanted to get this done or it usually were just going with whatever was taking you? I think I was just going with wherever it was taking me. Like I knew from the get go, I wanted to be in this field and like, actually in college, I kind of like ventured away from it. And I, Mm. I, I I went to the business aspect of marketing rather than staying in graphic design. Mm. But then after after graduating, after being in customer service for a couple of years, trying to break into the design field, there was like an aha moment of me becoming a UX designer, trying to be a UX designer where like I found out what UX design was and I realized like, 
oh, this is this is what I want to do. And basically what I think about UX design is it's like you're helping people with good design mm -hmm. or intentional design. Mm -hmm. And I love helping people and I love design. And I thought it was like the best um, the best marriage of the two, those two uh, those two aspects. And I guess that's my aha moment of trying to get into the UX design creative space. Nice. So love it. Um, besides that, Tijiji, um, I know that was kind of back then, but maybe now or even back then, um, do you have someone or like a brand or something that that inspires you today? Obvious answer that you know for brand aspect is Nike, but <laughs> I'll say that someone that inspires me. Let's go. Let's let's uh, go into like the photo video world. Is um, your brother, Quay uh, mm. Gabriel? Yeah, he's the uh, one that actually inspired me to get into photography. So it kind of this kind of goes back to the second the the question you just asked, but mm. uh, it answers this one too. Is like your brother definitely inspired me and got me into photography. Got me into well. I don't, he doesn't do as much video, but yeah. like, I always thought like everything that he did was cool in that space. And I was like, even now, like he could take a, a mundane picture of like his house <laughs> and I'm just like, dang, how'd he do that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he knows, he knows this, I think the world of him and uh, not just in terms of photography, like he's still like a role, he was the oldest out of all the Virginia cousins. So yep. Yep. definitely just inspires me in general. And that's funny you say that because you guys know that you and my brother are the one who inspire me and I go to with all my photography questions whenever yeah. I have, I don't know what ISO is, I don't know what white balance, all this stuff. I was like, yo, what is this? Or we just kind of see something come up. Like, How do you think they took this picture? And then hearing your guys' intake and all that stuff is, is really awesome. And it's helped me um, know how to use a camera. Um, I'm still learning. Like half of the time I take a picture, I'm like, oh, this looks pretty cool. I don't know how I did it, but it turned out pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And I love like this uh this this cycle that we've gone through, how it's come from your brother to me to you. And like mm -hmm. we're all we're, I honestly we're all still learning from each other and like I honestly don't think one is better than the other. We just still like it's more so just experience wise. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's style is different and I, I love both of your guys' style and like I see like the way that your stuff is getting posted, like you you've definitely have continued to grow and I love mm -hmm. seeing it. I appreciate that. It's funny you bring that up because um I still remember I forget if it was like a family vacation or something. This is when I think my brother was getting into photography. And he would take all the pictures of the family and all that stuff and then just take random pictures. And then my mom and dad will see it when they either whenever they print out the pictures or they see it when it was started becoming digital. But they'll be like, all right, Gabe, you can't take any more pictures. All we're taking pictures, all we see are like diagonal pictures of the house, of the wall, <laughs> like trying to be all artsy <laughs> <laughs> when they just wanted like regular family pictures. But uh, that was, uh, that's just a, a funny memory that I can recall. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I could imagine your dad getting super mad at wasting the, uh, wasting, wasting the money on exactly the film the to do that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, so kind of tying back to your old uh, younger days, around what time, or if you can remember even the age or grade, um, did you know that you were kind of like better than what, better than most people at what you do, whether, whether it was drawing or just being creative in that space? Um, where you kind of built that confidence and instilling like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. This is something that I can continue on. Well, it's funny that you say that. Like, I'll never say that I'm better than someone. I'll always, I always like actually like telling myself that I'm not, I'm not the best in the room. I mm -hmm. like to, I like to think of myself as, as lower. Um, that way I could keep learning and be mm -hmm. a sponge. So I, I, I think with that mindset, but in terms of, I guess, 
what age did I know that like I was I was decent at it that I could uh <laughs> that it was pretty good I'd say um I want to say like as soon as I graduated college mm. maybe not as soon as I graduated college but a little after college like I realized like hey I'm pretty I'm pretty creative in the sense of like photography design and all that stuff and it was more so just making sure that I was able to hone my skills and putting the uh putting the time into it mm -hmm. so I knew that I had an eye for things like around college around graduation after college stuff like that that <laughs> that mixed like couple of years between yeah, yeah. then and there I'd say that's when I realized like hey if I if I put my mind to it and I start practicing on this more I could get really good mm. I'd say that's when I I realized it. I'd say a pretty late bloomer, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that, you bring that up because I didn't know. I thought it'd be like high school, maybe late middle school or something. But um, that's pretty interesting. And it's also interesting your take talking about how you think you can be good at it, it with more practice. It wasn't just like I'm good at this. I'm gonna just keep doing what I'm doing. It's like your mindset is all right. I can do this, but how can I get better? What are the precautions i need to take what do i need to practice um in order to get better at my craft so that's a that's a great um viewpoint um coming exactly from. exactly it's just like i i'll tell this to everybody that like asks me for advice i'll always just say never never think you're the best just know that like if you have an eye for something you have the eye but mm -hmm. like like for example like you you know that lebron james has all the talent in the world but he didn't he didn't just say like, "Yeah, my talents are gonna get me everywhere." He still yep. practiced every day, mm -hmm. so it's it's that mindset that you need to get uh, to become better. Like, you, it's not just talent and then go; it's talent, practice, day in, day out, go. Exactly, exactly. Um, so s switching gears just a little bit, these infamous TikToks that <laughs> you've been famous and known for around these streets. <laughs> um, how did you How did you get into creating these TikToks? Um, I don't know. I I think it was more so just like I I honestly think I'm. I feel like I'm much younger than I am age wise, <laughs> and I feel like I I resonate a lot with the the TikTok generation. Yeah. Um, I was on TikTok for a while before I made my first one, but I just really thought they were funny and fun to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one day, I was just like. It was actually my first TikTok wasn't really a TikTok. It was an Instagram story. I was uh, I was just really bored while doing my my house project. It was those shelves, and uh -huh. I was doing a lot of sanding. That took that took forever to be honest. <laughs> and I was just really bored with my chores. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make this a little funner, and I'll just film myself doing something. And I was I started twerking while I was sanding, and like people reacted to it. And I was like, yeah, I guess I, <laughs> I guess I'll start making these. It's making people happy. That makes me happy. So. That's how I got into creating TikToks. It was just doing chores and being bored and just being on my own and <laughs> just keeping myself occupied. So how do these how do these uh ideas come from? Like where is it from like um what are those called when other people do it and then you do it? The trends? Oh, is it cuz of trends? Oh, trends or, is it, oh. <laughs> or, is it, or like how do you come uh, up with these like the ones where you were like you have different camera angles and this and that? Like how do you come up with those? um i actually don't really follow too many trends like if you look at all my tiktoks or like all my reels like there's not a lot of that that are like random trends or like random True. dance trends or anything like yeah. that i've done a few of them because they are pretty fun i love watching them but yeah. i've never like done too much of them i think most of my ideas just come from my everyday boredom or like my everyday life i try to make 
my life seem as funny as possible because I've I haven't studied comedians, but I know that comedians <laughs> they'll they uh they use their everyday life as their yes, that's as their material. Yeah. And like all the cousins and all our friends always say, like, man, you and Carla have a really funny dynamic and <laughs> In my mind, I'm just like, I don't really think we're that funny. I mean, like, we <laughs> laugh at each other, but I guess we are funny from the outside looking in. Yeah. So, like, our lives are pretty funny, especially when I involve Elisea. I think my <laughs> the my favorite thing is that Elisea is, like, a, like, one genre of my TikToks and my reels or whatever. But she's never in any of them yeah. physically. It's just she's just a reference, and everybody understands, like, what, I, what we're going through. Yep, and exactly. she, yeah, and it's even funnier because she hates it, but... <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the process of it, can you kind of walk me through, like, do you get lights set up or do you do you kind of practice it first or do you have a rough draft where you write it down? Like, what's, like, for for one of your most complex ones that you've done, like, what, what was something that you had to do to get done rather than just press record on your phone? Gotcha. I'm glad you asked me about the most complex one because if you were gonna just if you just left it at that question, like what do you what do you usually do? I'd be like, I just press record and that's it. <laughs> but as for process wise, um uh I actually like every now and then like when I'm just watching TV, like I come like I think like of I think an idea and then I write it down in like my notepad on my mm-hmm. on my iPhone or whatever. And I'll come back to it later when I'm ready to actually do it or like if I'm bored doing it. I actually, I actually use it as a uh, procrastination tool, or if I'm like, uh, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm trying to do something else, like I'll do a TikTok just because, like, I thought about it, uh, or I want to, I want to do it and get it out of my head. But basically, all for complex ones that like involve like a storyline or something like mm-hmm. that, or like involve me talking, I will actually write out like my full script, or okay. like at least like talking points of the script on my notepad and i'll have it set up next to my camera or whatever mm-hmm. and i'll read it a few times on my own without recording <laughs> and then i'll hit record and i'll try to read through it and i actually even leave it recording even when i mess up and yeah, you can just you edit. like i have a lot of bloopers and yeah. it's just me like stumbling over my words <laughs> and i'll just keep going at it sometimes they take sometimes they take 10 minutes sometimes they take uh, 30 minutes it, it varies but like oh. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of prep work. Um, I don't really care for lighting too much. It's mm-hmm. uh, unless it it's something that's necessary. Yeah. Usually, yeah. I use like the the light that I already have in my house. Uh, I mean, I already have like I do have a set of studio lights, but I I hardly use them for mm-hmm. TikToks just because like I don't really feel like setting them up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then I I I basically just walk uh walk myself through the uh um the motions of what's gonna happen in the TikTok like. Um, for dance ones, actually, I do practice. I, I did practice on some of my dance oh. ones. So sometimes they involve a little bit of practice. Sometimes they do involve uh, involve a lot of different takes, and I'm I'm just like <laughs> cutting them out and getting the best ones in yeah. there. So it's not just like a it's not even like a quick um, quick record and go for those more complex ones. Like I actually I actually feel like I'm like man, these are what con- this is what content creators do. I'm just like this is this is a lot of work, and it's exactly. mine's isn't even like a high production, and it's a lot of work. Yeah. So I can definitely appreciate what content creators do. Yeah, I did try to make some TikToks or like even like vines back in the day, but like every time I try to do it, I would either mess up or I needed to do something else. I was like, ah, right, this is too much work. I I don't have enough time. This is this is they, uh, the other people make it look so easy how to do it. It looks like they just boom so, yeah. done. 
Exactly. But uh, yeah. like I had like like you, I don't I don't really write it down on my notes, but uh, Teeny's always with me. I'm like, oh, this will be a great TikTok, and then I tell her it, and I think it's gonna be so funny, and then she's just like. That Jonah Hill uh, gif, she's like, nah, that, that's not it. I was like, oh, man. No, the trick is is that you can't tell her. I never tell Elsa any of my oh, TikToks. Really? She just <laughs> finds them. And then I'll hear a random yell throughout the house. And I'm like, oh, she she watched it. <laughs> that's funny. There's one. This was ever since Vine that I always wanted to do, and I still haven't been able to do it. It's, uh, you know, those Nature Valley bars with a lot of crumbs yeah. when you break it? So, like, it, I, I, I grab it slowly. And in my head, or I can say it, I was like, please, no crumbs. And then I, like, barely break it off. And then I take a bite, and there's no crumbs. And I'm like, oh, it's perfect. And then the camera kind of pans down to my lap, and there's a bunch of crumbs on my lap. <laughs> you should That's- just do it. It's, oh, my gosh. That, that, that actually is really funny. You should just do it. Like, something that I've learned over uh, the times that I've made these reels and TikToks is that I'm actually just making – I've. Yeah, other people laugh at them, or a lot of people actually laugh at them. Um, but I actually could care less. Like, I make them for my own creativity. I make them for True. myself. I make myself yeah. laugh. Um, even the ones that are more artsy, I'm like, wow, I, like, I hate saying this, but like, I did it to make myself look good. Like those artsy ones, like that, mm-hmm. that the yeah. Barone one that I I posted. Yeah, yeah. Like I thought I looked really good in there, so I was like, you know, what? I made this for myself, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. It's it exactly. passes the time. It builds my creativity. Hey. It makes me better at what I do in general, and it's a good procrastination tool. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, so not just TikTok, but all out of out of all the different creative outlets you indulge in, like we talk about photography. Um, you talked about graphic design earlier and UX design that you're doing now. Um, I know you used to, I don't know if you still do, but you would do sketching and stuff that I would see. Um, is there one that you enjoy doing the most or is it like kind of like depending on how I feel or um, uh, what's um, the feeling with those? I think it's more of the depending how I feel answer. The one that I want to say it's photography though, mm-hmm. but it's, it definitely depends on how I'm feeling. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say this, but it's funny because like when I'm at work, I should be wanting to do UX design, <laughs> but I do. I just said that I procrastinate and make TikToks, but, uh, <laughs> but that's not like, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely more of like how I'm feeling. Um, mm. uh, but photography is the easiest one to just like pick up and go. Because, like, my camera's right there. Um, as you can tell from my Instagram, like, a lot of it is just, like, self-portraits that I'm able to just take care of. Or, like, even the stuff that I don't post, like, I'm just taking pictures randomly around the house. It's where I bring my camera whenever we are all hanging out, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely, like, my favorite one. It's something that I never want to make, like, a full-time job or anything. It's, like, I still get paid whenever I do it randomly mm-hmm. um, when people book me. But I, I like to keep it as a hobby because mm-hmm. it's... Um, it's it's a creative outlet that I enjoy, um, and I want to keep it that way. I don't want it to become like a a, a task or like a chore. Yep. So that, that's some, definitely the one that affects me the most. Exactly. So I started getting into photography and videography, like you know, um, and I, surprisingly, some people have hit me up on Instagram, and be like, "Hey, do you do these? Do you do this? Do this and this?" I'm like, first, I'm like very flattered. I'm like, "Wow, you actually like my stuff to reach out and want to like hire me." Um, but then I ended I pretty much just tell them like, like what you just said, like, I really love doing it, but I like doing it at my own pace and, and, and the, uh, the content that I like, um, when I have to switch things up or get out of my comfort zone, trying to do something for someone else in this, in this space, 
then it becomes like stressful. It becomes like a job and it's not as yeah. much as like a personal hobby where you kind of, like you just said, get, get your creati creativity out. Definitely. Definitely. I do on the, on the flip side though, I do want to say, um, every now and then, um, just, uh, when you do get those, um, offers or those, um, inquiries, definitely mm -hmm. like look through them. And if it that does sound like something that you want to pursue, definitely take it because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's also practice too. True. Like I'm selective about who I, uh, who I shoot with or what I shoot. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's because it's not, it's, I'm not doing it for a living. So I'm able to do that. Exactly, so yeah. in, in your sense, you're not doing it for a living either. Yep. but it, it can it can essentially be practice for you so if you do find one that you do enjoy or like that you think that you'll like to do i i uh i want to challenge you to try and do it just so uh you can make yourself better too perfect perfect i love that i'll, I'll get to that for sure <laughs> um so out of all these endeavors how did you kind of get into them did one lead lead to another was it curiosity was it just trying to better yourself as a whole like um the reason why I tell people that I try to get, I got into photography and videography because not only for social media, but like if I'm, I'm trying to, if I want to get into the collegiate world for coaching, um, I want to expand my tool set where I can not only just coach and do on the court, but I can provide another set of skills off the court where, you know, social media and marketing is such a big thing. So, um, how did that kind of come, come about? Um, uh... I'll definitely say like getting into UX design itself. I thought that like having good graphic design or good photography or something like that could help my portfolio. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it kind of did a little bit, but it didn't really. But that's what I was like. I was kind of like building everything all on one for getting into UX design. But mm -hmm. essentially, they didn't really like correlate too much. Maybe graphic design a little bit because of like the um, digital digital designing background, yeah. but as for like photography it kind of just like it more so is like curiosity for me i i don't even know like when i realized like i had a good eye in photography mm -hmm. um the only thing that i could remember really is just buying your brother's camera and being <laughs> inspired by him so that's what led me into photography literally just that but in terms of like why i do it now or like how how they lead into each other now it's more so just me enjoying mm. um taking photos it's uh like i'm like I, I don't post a lot on instagram other than my self-portraits but i still take a lot of pictures in general yeah. um and it's it just it it just makes me happy to keep creating um how i see the world mm -hmm. so um is there a creative outlet that you want to get into or practice and learn more about but just haven't had the time and if so which one uh, kind of two. Um, I've, I've spoken about videography, um, earlier. So videography is something that I like, not just like the TikTok or anything like that, but more artsy stuff. Like, um, I remember, uh, I told you guys that I got that, uh, what's it called? The, the Ronan gimbal. Mm -hmm. I, uh, Elsa got that for me for my birthday. Um, uh, thank you to her. It's really expensive. So thank you to her. <laughs> uh, the main reason I got that was, um, for when the the baby comes, I I want to like it's cool to have home video like mm -hmm. with with uh, with jitter and stuff. But I also want to make like like short, maybe short films, not like not like five minutes or anything like that, but like nice short like thirty seconds to a minute of like something something nice to to view, like where it's like 
it's nicely graded mm -hmm. it's uh it kind of tells a miniature story within one and it's all about um our, our baby or mm -hmm. our family i think that that's something that i i want to practice more um uh in terms of like other end of uh end of ours uh of the creative outlets mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing uh, that I also want to continue to do is uh, I was telling guys that I, I got a new iPad um, because mine broke. Um, but I want to get into like uh, the sketching on an iPad. Uh, I don't know if you've seen those videos where like people are doing like layers and layers of stuff on their iPads and all of a sudden it's like a cool uh, painting or something like that. Mm, but yeah, yeah. that's something that I've always liked. Um, and with a new iPad, it, it, I think it'll be uh, it'll be more achievable. I don't know if I'll have the time, but it's definitely something that I've thought about. Yeah. Uh, so if you can kind of take me through, uh, we, you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, how like each of your creative outlet can be both, you know, similar, but at the same time, how each can be different and individualized for each other. So for example, fo photography to graphic design, graphic design, to UX design, like they all kind of go under the same in terms of creativity, design and whatnot. But, how how does doing each kind of inspire or um what can i say like kind of inspire or kind of just make you think about um each individually yeah i definitely get what you're saying yeah, it's okay. uh um i think it goes down to like the basic principles of the art in general like um like the principle of contrast or like the, the principle of composition, mm. particularly with like what I'm doing with UX design and um, how, uh, how it's affected by photography, like photography, you know, about like the, the rule of thirds and like yeah. how different compositions can affect someone's mood. Mm. I think yeah. about that in UX design in terms of like, okay. Um, I mean, this might be a bad example, but like if you're looking at the layout of a page, this putting this text over here, isn't going to work because it completely clashes with the text mm. on this side of the page, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. So like different composition definitely um, uh, affects each other as well. Different uh, contrast, like let's say I'm picking different colors for a, uh, a um, an online page, like these colors contrast perfectly. And then if I'm mm. thinking about contrast on a photo, uh, in, a, in, a, in a photo, like there's certain contrasts that I want to play with. Mm. So yeah, it's different like underlying principles of art that, um, that I think about in, um, in all those fields and they definitely are they kind of go one in one with the other um, and how I think about them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so do you have any uh, mentors or people that you reach out to um, and do you have are they kind of like do they fall into the different um, category for each of your outlet um, if, if you do can you name some uh, yeah yeah definitely um, so uh, I, I can name a few, one for each one. For graphic design, I would always reach out to our Ati Gigi. Um, she was definitely like the queen of uh, queen of design in general. Sometimes like career advice in general, I'll reach mm, out yeah. to her too. Um, she's uh, been a mentor um, as a cousin and a mentor as a uh, mm. as a professional. So that's mm. that's pretty crazy to to be able to say. Um, and then in terms of UX design, uh, I would say that my first mentor, other than my current boss. <laughs> my first mentor was uh his name is uh yuri bombasi he uh he was um he was actually he became one of my references too when i first got my uh when i got my first ux job he was kind of like coaching me into what i would need on my portfolio what do they look for in interviews or like mm. 
how I was doing um, in that beginning stages of uh, of being a UX designer. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't like I haven't really needed to reach out um, in terms of uh, mentors and where I am now. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy because I have people that are reaching out to me asking me what I <laughs> did and how side, I got yeah. into the yep. field. So it's, it, and I love, uh, I love that it's come full circle because I'm basically paying it forward to the, to the next generation of UX designers or the people that are trying to get into UX design. So I, I really love that, and I'm always happy to help them. Um, so we, we, we talked about photography and the, and the community aspect that it brings when we talk about um, how I have you and my brother in a group chat and just talking about photography with that. Um, and then just that community aspect. So I remember, I remember, I remember, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I remember you did this thing. I think it was on Twitter or Instagram, whatever the social media one it was, um, where you had other photographers share their own style. Um, and it was pretty cool to see that whole thread of like, um, their photo of this and then this and other people's this, and you can see there was, you can see all of it was amazing, but it all had a different imprint on their style. Um, can you kind of talk about for the listeners on how special that community aspect is? Um, and then how you came up with that idea and your curiosity in terms of wanting to see, um, the different styles of everybody. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember that uh, it was it was actually a really fun uh, couple of days of when I had that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little background for the listeners is that I took a it was from one of my photo shoots uh, in Reston Town Center. Um, basically, it's kind of like a um, it's not like a not like a real city or anything like that, but they have like taller buildings and mm-hmm. uh, alleyways and stuff like that. And I was taking a photo shoot of my friend on his motorcycle. So I, I took a raw photo. And I basically posted it on my Instagram and my Twitter feeds and said, hey, if you're a photographer or whatever, uh, take this raw photo or take this JPEG. I don't remember what <laughs> if I was able to upload the raw, but <laughs> I said, edit this with your own style and uh, send it to me. That way we can uh, take a look at each other's work um, and inspire the community. Um, and it was great to see everybody's different styles. Like, as you said, like it was the same photo, but each one was so very different and it was great to see. And it shows the community aspect that you're referring to because it's like, I don't believe that one photographer is better than the other, um, other in, other than in terms of experience. Like obviously like an older photographer, or more experienced photographer is going to have um, better techniques or like know their camera settings mm-hmm. or know what to do in terms of a photo shoot, like how they're thinking about it. But in terms of style, everyone is has a unique style and that's the subjectiveness of photography. Like mm-hmm. you're going to pick a style that you like um um for your photo shoot and that's what i love about it it's it's a sense of community where you're like you're not bringing each other down you're you're applauding each other's um unique differences and i think i think that's beautiful to see in the community of photography or just like in in terms of the world uh or like um how society is today like you you should you shouldn't be bringing each other down you should be praising each other's differences and not one is better than the other it's just a stylistic thing that's it's subjective and it's beautiful. Exactly. Love that. Love that. Uh, so with creative and uh, creativity and, and designing and all that stuff, um, it's prevalent pretty much everywhere you go. And it's kind of hard to like shut it off. It's kind of hard to you can't you can't walk down the street or like go to the store without noticing. Um, and I, I mean, I have not 
I have a minuscule amount of experience to you in terms of photography, but even in your experience with all the other stuff, I'm 100% sure when you see an advertisement or something, you're like looking at it, trying to be like, okay, how did they come up with this? Uh, they probably could have changed the font or this and that. I'm guessing that's what goes through your head. Um, so with that in mind, so like unlike basketball on my end where – uh, where I can kind of step away from it and, and not go to the court or not watch basketball on TV or something. How do you, I don't know if you've ever had to, but how do you manage um, burning out? Um, and how can you, uh, uh, what are some techniques or stuff that you've done in terms of um, allowing it to still be something that you love doing without overworking and kind of, you know, going on the other side? Um, in terms of photography, it's definitely just like, not picking up my camera um like what i find prevalent is that sometimes there are times where like i'm always bringing my camera with me to hang out or whatever mm -hmm. or, like always bring my camera on like a random outing but sometimes i just like i start to feel like man I, do i really want to carry this thing around i mean i don't have a big camera but like it's still something that extra to bring around yeah. and that that alone kind of burns me out because it's just like why am i doing this i don't want to I want to enjoy the moment. I don't want to capture the moment. I just mm -hmm. want to enjoy it and be in it. So that's definitely something that that I could sense that like when I'm starting to get feel burnt out. Um, it, it was definitely more prevalent like in the uh, before the pandemic when I was out and about a lot more. It's easier to do so now. I'm not getting as burnt out because I have more time to myself. I'm yeah. able to just step away from it or just not not do it <laughs> and just be alone and do something else. But yeah, it was definitely more so just um, being cognizant of like hey you need to relax just just leave the camera you'll be able to you'll be able to do it another day mm -hmm. so that's definitely something that i've i've had to keep in my mind um to make sure that i'd avoid i, I avoid burnout or um especially like when you're like I guess in terms of like, uh, even in terms of TikToks or something like that, I'm not posting too often. Sometimes there, sometimes I have sporadic mom, uh, weeks where like I posted three videos in a row, mm -hmm. or there's sometimes where I go like weeks at a time without a video. It's just more so just like not going, not sticking to the schedule, just mm -hmm. doing it when I feel it. It's yeah. uh, just making sure that you you know how you're you're mentally feeling, how your body is feeling. Um, I guess this kind of works in in ways of sports as well. Just just knowing your body and knowing your mentality of when to when to relax a little bit. Because mm. the more that you do work, the more it's going to feel like actual chores and more uh, taking a toll on on your body and mind. So just yep. just being making sure you're you're aware of that. Exactly. So as a, as a little follow up question, um, this doesn't really have anything to do with burnout, but does that ex that um, scenario that I explained out, with, whether you're like walking to the mall or something, does that go through your head? Do those type of things go through your head? Because when I'm watching sports, when I'm watching basketball, I'm watching these different actions. I'm watching I'm watching what they do after the timeout. I'm I'm looking at form on their shots and stuff. I'm looking at football players how they cut, looking their knee angles and stuff, and it's kind of taken over my head where I got to step back and be like, all right, hold on, let me just enjoy this game for what it is. Stop trying to think too scientific or too much into into the field or whatever. Um, is does that kind of go through your head when you're when you're walking in the mall or like see a billboard or something? Do you try to analyze things, um, or are you able to kind of turn it on, turn it off? No, I try my best not to analyze things because <laughs> uh, in terms of UX design, like 
It's funny because on my LinkedIn, like one of my main blurbs of like my LinkedIn is like UX design has ruined my life <laughs> because I'm constantly analyzing the experience of like certain um, products and websites mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But in my mind, I'm just like, man, just just use it or like just <laughs> it's OK. You don't really have to think about the experience. Just kind of do it. But yeah. it's it's so hard not to because it's my job, at my work exactly. to make sure someone's. Uh, it's easy to use our product so like when i'm i'm frustrated with a product or like something like that for example if i'm if i'm frustrated with a website and like i can't like figure it out i won't buy anything from that website <laughs> so yeah it's 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 definitely a it's definitely frustrating especially if it's something that i need to like buy or i need to to use like wow oh, yeah. it's it's so frustrating that goes to show how important the stuff that you that you guys do in terms of the consumer because that says a lot in terms of if they can't if this isn't working right or or what have you then that's going to kind of trump the product or whatever the service is exactly exactly <laughs> it's just not like it's not a it is somewhat of a new field still where like companies are just getting onto it or like have got recently gotten onto like hiring and making ux teams so it's still like not everything's going to be perfect right now, but definitely still very frustrating as a UX designer to see things like that, that, that can still frustrate you on the daily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, kind of to wrap things up on this topic. Um, can you give the listeners who may be in your field um, or trying to get in the field? Um, I know you kind of said a piece of advice earlier, but is there anything else that you can give them in, in form of advice um, to help them in their careers and reach their goals? Uh, I would say number one is to watch as many YouTube videos as you can. Um, I've I've learned a lot through from photography, UX design, graphic design, videography, and even basketball in general. <laughs> Just anything really. Yep. Watch a lot of YouTube. That's uh, it's like you could you could take a whole course through YouTube and you'll be golden. So definitely watch a lot of YouTube. Always ask questions. Mm. Get help from anybody. Get um, that's in the field that you're trying to get into. If you're trying to get into UX design, ask me for help. Reach out to me. Um, mm. I'm I'm all ears. If you have any questions on photography, ask me. All ears. Mm -hmm. Like people are you're like, even if you're not friends with someone, um, it's it doesn't hurt to ask because people are that are in your field already or in the field that you're trying to get to or in your place at one point. Um, not everything was just given or not everything was just. Um, just appeared in front of them they they were in your place and uh, they just worked hard to get into there so keep working hard and it'll happen to you as well exactly. and we'll, we're, we're here to help as the older um not older generation but the the people that are already there they're definitely there to help yep um one of my physics teachers or my only physics teacher in high school my senior year he said something in the beginning of the year that, that i carry with me today um, is leave your ego at the door. So as soon as you walk into the classroom door, you leave your ego there because physics is a hard um, class and you're going to have to ask questions. So like have having the ability to ask questions or even ask the right questions um, or like in general, just ask questions is to me, it can be kind of a skill or like a, a confidence thing in terms of, yeah, I don't know it, which is okay. So I'm going to talk to someone or try to reach to someone who may have the answer, who's done it before. And you got to have the confidence in yourself to understand that, okay, if they say they don't have an answer or they can't help me, don't take that to heart. Find someone else or keep looking. 
Um, so that that's a great piece of advice that, that you gave in, in terms of that, that often gets overlooked and it's such a simple thing. Um, but it can also help in so many ways. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Never, never, don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Just always want to be the one that is a sponge of everybody else in the room. Just yep. be a sponge. Just don't be the dumbest. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So our last topic um, is one that we talk that I talk with all my guests because we are breaking barriers basketball. Um, I do want to talk a little basketball. Um, so the first one. So how how did you kind of get into the game of basketball? It was definitely cousins. <laughs> you guys. I remember my first. Uh, what's it called? Um, I guess not not a fan of basketball, but like getting into the actual sport, like me physically playing. My my earliest memory of basketball, uh, like playing basketball, was going to pavil- the pavilion with oh, yeah. uh, you, uh, your brother, uh, your dad, my dad, and Carlo. I think it was I think it was literally just us six uh, wow. in there, and yeah, and we were just shooting around, and I I had the time of my life, and that's when I realized like I want to play this game. I mean, I was already a fan of basketball to begin with because of Michael Jordan, but yep. I actually wanted to physically play the game from that point on. So how's it played a part in your life today? Uh, in terms of uh, like physical playing or like the sport of basketball, like watching NBA or just, just everything in general. In general yeah, both. Both is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, I'd say it's definitely affected my life in terms of like how I've uh, maybe even like how I act, how I dress, mm. <laughs> how I've worked out. It's uh, like basketball players in general, like the NBA, like those like Charles Barkley said he wasn't a role model, but like you look at the NBA players, like even as anybody in like anybody in elementary school, any younger person is always going to look up to, to people they think are cool. And I thought all the NBA players mm-hmm. were cool. Like I wanted to be like every single one of them, how they lived their lives, how they dressed, how they played, especially how they played. Like I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to be Michael Jordan, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely affected like how, how I've done everything all the way down to like how hard I've, uh, quote unquote practiced in terms of like how I worked on like my craft, like how I've um how I've like mentally uh became tougher. Uh mm, it's yeah. come from basketball. Mm. Perfect. Is working in the creative side of basketball or any sport in general, um, is that a career goal of yours? Like would would that be something you'd be willing wanting to do or is that just kind of just you know, just not there? I think it would be fun. Um I don't know if it's something that I've really inspired to be mm-hmm. the closest that I ever really aspired uh, to get into there was like uh, working as a footwear designer at Nike mm-hmm. or working any, any type of UX design at Nike product design. I think that would be the closest, but I, um, I believe everybody, uh, every Nike employee has to work at like one of their major hubs, whether it be uh, Oregon, New York or LA. But that's, that's the only reason why I wouldn't try to pursue it any harder. We still need Nike to get on those Sabrina, the Sabrina ones that you made. Those, that was, uh, those I loved those really. types. Of stuff. <laughs> uh, can you kind of talk about how social media, you know, especially nowadays, and I kind of t- talked about it earlier, but didn't go into great detail, um, how social media plays a huge part in sports? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, from the fan side of things, when you're winning, social media is great. <laughs> when you're <laughs> yeah, losing, it's it's freaking <laughs> terrible. Like, uh, like when when the Giants lost last week, and the I'm a, I'm a I'm a San Francisco fan, 
Um, so I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. Uh, they lost to the uh, the Dodgers, our <laughs> our rival, our our most hated rival. Um, and I completely like I didn't like throughout the game. I wasn't looking at social media whatsoever. I didn't want to pay attention to anything because. Like with the positives of social media, you're gonna get all the negatives. Like everyone's talking smack. I don't mm-hmm. even know the people that are talking smack. Like it's just gonna pop up in my feed. Like oh, all this negativity is gonna feed into me, and I'm just gonna feel worse mm-hmm. and worse and worse. So I just tweeted it out once, just saying that I was proud of the team because it it was like we weren't supposed to be there. We were supposed yeah. to be still rebuilding, but it's uh, I tweeted once and that was it. I completely just <laughs> stopped looking at uh, MLB stuff on social media and. Yeah. So that's definitely like how social media can play a huge part in sports. Um, and also in terms of just like uh, getting news out there, like I used to watch SportsCenter every morning um, uh, to uh, to catch up on like sporting news. But now I just look at Twitter yeah. and you can see it live uh, right then and there. You don't got to wait until the morning. Like I don't, I'm not looking at uh, I'm not waiting for uh the 10 minutes until the next hour to watch the uh, sports center <laughs> top 10 okay, yeah. i got like top like top 100 plays as i'm scrolling down my feed <laughs> like from random places around the world and it's amazing um so yeah social media is is done a lot more than the two things that i've mentioned but those are just like a, a couple of the things of how it's affected uh sports in general yeah um it's funny you say that because uh, especially in football season since it's only like one game a week so, like, when Washington would win, I'd be all up on YouTube watching the highlights, seeing what people are talking about the talking about the team and stuff, um, and looking at every single video, like, what's going on, what do they think about them, like, how did we look, all that stuff. And then when we lose, like, like today, I, I'm not on any of that stuff. I'm skipping over it. I'm st- Even when the Cowboys won, I'm, like, I'm not watching this at all. I'm scrolling through it. I'm going to be stressed out for the rest of the week. And then <laughs> that's just it's, – it's funny how – Especially like you said, um, how social media just kind of has an effect on us um, in our everyday life, not just not just in the sports side, because it, it affects kind of how we feel. Unfortunately, it affects how we feel in terms of doing other stuff, too. Yeah, it's definitely one of the negatives. But I mean, I always say that I love social media, um, but there's definitely negatives to it. Yep. Um, so you did just say that you are a San Francisco fan. Um, you were born in California. Um, so how has it been? Uh, rooting for both San Francisco and the DC teams um, growing up. Do you see yourself um, liking one more than the other, um, or is it kind of them equally, or how does it kind of work out for you? No, it's definitely more so the Bay Area teams, um, with the exception of the Caps, uh, Caps versus the Sharks. Um, I like the Caps more because I I didn't like hockey until Elsa. Elsa actually used to be a huge hockey fan, and she got <laughs> me into hockey. So she was a huge Caps fan. So that's kind of special for me. Um, uh, but yeah, that's why I like that's they're the only DC team that I like better than the Bay Area mm, team. But interesting. yeah, I like uh, I like more of the uh, Bay Area teams in general. I think um, I think it was more so because like. It, it was like a way to be different and also i was i was born in the bay area so that's yeah. why i cheer for them um but i grew up in virginia um so growing up in virginia it's like everybody mostly everybody cheers for the dc teams and it was kind of like a way for me to be different yeah, yeah. Uh, especially for me growing up like i mean i think that the dc teams were are that were pretty terrible growing up too and so like, they kind of are now like other, with aside from like the nationals and caps yeah. they kind of tend to lean towards the top but like I 
I've kind of liked cheering for the Bay Area teams because growing up and up until recent years, they were kind of very mediocre and they were the underdog no matter where they went. And I, I actually really liked that that feeling of like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. They're probably going to lose, but I like cheering for them. I love you. I, I love that aspect of them. And then it's kind of paid off with like, how the Giants have won um, three championships in the past decade. Warriors have won three championships in the past decade and so on and so forth. So it's it's pretty cool to see uh, all that coming from the bottom. Yeah, I still remember to this day, Madden, whenever, how long ago, when Frank Gore was a running back, and I can't even remember who the quarterback was. I think it was like after Jeff Garcia, but it wasn't, it was either, <laughs> it, was, it was either before Alex Smith or maybe it was. It was like when they weren't very good, and we'd always play Madden, us and the cousins, and we'd always pick like either Washington or like a really good team in that time. And you would always pick the Niners, even though they were like the second worst team in the game. And you would, I think you would like lose a lot, but it was always because like the team wasn't in terms of Madden a good matchup for the team that other the, uh, whoever was playing you with. And then even with the Warriors, when it was, like, before the uh, We Believe team, yeah, uh, with, like, Dunleavy J- and all J- them, J- and yeah. <laughs> you would be the, we would be, like, the, uh, little, the the Lakers, and this is when they had, like, Shaq and everybody. And then there you go, me and the Warriors again, no matter what it is, and it's just like, man, this guy really just loves them so much. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was fun. I mean, it was frustrating. The 49ers had slow cornerbacks in Madden. <laughs> yeah, so anytime anyone ran a fly, a fly oh my god, it's definitely a game over. <laughs> that was funny. Uh can you recall um your favorite Bay Area sports moment? Just one that comes to mind. Uh let's see. I I'll, I'll say two actually. Okay. My uh, that's my first like, not ranking over the other, but one of my favorite ones in football was uh, actually I'll do three, one for each team. Um, okay, so for football, good. when Kaepernick ran all over the Packers Ooh, in uh, 20, uh, I think it was twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like oh my god! Like we, I really wish we would have won that year. That would have been like the icing on the cake. But that game was ridiculous. Uh, I still love Kaepernick to this day. So. Yep. Uh, still wish him the best, and I, I still root for him. Um, and then in terms of baseball, Game Seven of the the Royals series, um, I believe uh, the last out was Bumgarner. He pitched it, and it was a pop fly foul out, and um, uh, Pablo Sandoval uh, Panda caught the out. I, th- I believe I think that that was. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering it correctly, but I remember that one really vividly. Mm. And then the Warriors' first championship, um, as time was leading out in Game Six in Cleveland, Steph knew it and he threw the ball up in the air. I actually just got chills, like <laughs> re, uh, re, uh, uh, remembering that. Must be nice. <laughs> one of the most memorable things in my, uh, in my Bay Area. Yeah, sports. I still remember we were in. Well, I think you guys had went home to Virginia already, but we were still in California at that time. When they won their first yeah, championship, you, uh, we went. To I remember because you got us the sports authority. And then I also, <laughs> and then you made that blunder. <laughs> yeah, I think that was. I think the blunder was the year after, like when oh the repeat. Again. Okay, yeah, 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 or, yeah. But either way, yeah, I, yeah. I remember the blunder. I guess that's technically one of my favorite sports moments as well. Um, for those of you that don't know, I asked. I made a terrible joke in group text. I think it would have made more sense in real life. But <laughs> Daniel asked me. 
after they won, he was like, "Hey, you guys, I'm going to uh, I'm going to the sports store to um, to get some Warriors stuff for you guys. What do you want?" And I said, champ- "Get me to get the curry. championship shirts." It was like, "Did you guys want anything else?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I said, "Get Steph Curry or something along those lines," and it was just like everybody basically responded with like, "What are you talking about?" And I was no, like, no one responded. What you're talking about? I was like, "Oh, I, I kind of laughed." Um, cause I, in my head, I was like, okay, I get what he's saying. Like get Steph Curry, the human, <laughs> uh, to, to, to Virginia. And then our cousin was like, okay. And then bought you the Steph Curry, sh- uh, Jersey shirt in- <laughs> instead of the championship shirt. She's, and then I was like, where's Queen Miguel's? And then she was like, Miguel said he wanted Steph Curry. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, I remember that completely now. Oh, I'm cringing right now. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I still have that. Right, next shirt, question, man, next question. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to the next question. Favorite Bay Area player of all time? Just one. Uh, it's definitely going to be Steph Curry for Steph, me. Okay. I wish he was a Nike player still, but I understand why he's a Under Armour player. But it's definitely <laughs> Steph Curry. And then I'll throw a little another one. Favorite DC player of all time. The easy answer is Michael Jordan Wizards, <laughs> but he technically doesn't count. Uh, I'm gonna say Sean Taylor. Um, awesome. I actually like uh, when he was playing for the Redskins. I actually like was really, really rooting for them. Um, like hearts, uh, like full on uh, rooting for the Redskins because of him. Yeah. So, and that's a great uh, answer because Washington just retired his his jersey today. His 21. Yep, yep. So so happy for him and his family. Yep. Uh, so this last one, what's something that sports have taught you? Um, and you alluded to it just a little bit. Uh, something that, that, that it's taught you, whether it was growing up or even to this day. I'd say it'd be the important, um, I guess, the importance of, uh, of practice. Like, mm. you see all, uh, I guess the best recent example is, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's my current favorite NBA player. Mm-hmm. He he just won a championship, but he's still in the gym practicing, and he's his shot is even better than uh, than oh, last man. year, which is kind of is really scary for the rest of the <laughs> league. But like you could tell that like this dude is just continuing to practice. He already knows he's one of the top players in the league, mm-hmm. and he's still continuing to get better. He had the talent, he had he had the potential, but he knew that practicing was gonna get him to the next level and continue to make him grow. Mm. So sports for me has taught me the importance of practice and mental fortitude and knowing that you can always get better uh, with practice. Even if you don't have the talent, you can just continue practicing. Um, and that just, that works for uh, uh, everyday life. Just like basically putting in the hard work and the effort to make yourself better for the next day mm. is it's like sports is just a beautiful thing. Um, aside from practice, like it, everybody puts their heart into sports, whether they're the players, the coaches or the fans, it's, Sports is just, uh, it's like a such a beautiful thing to have right now. Mm. Um, and yeah. Perfect. That's it. Love it. Love it. Uh, so the last part of this, um, this episode is our quick hitters. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some questions and try to answer the, the first answer that comes to mind. Um, and I got a few of them. Sound okay. good. All right. Uh, your favorite creative design or outlet program slash app and you can only pick one so it's like is it photoshop premiere canva your favorite Uh, app i'm gonna say lightroom i i use a lot of lightroom um 
second uh, kind of slash this would TikTok because I, I technically do use TikTok to create, but <laughs> Lightroom is uh is my number one. Awesome, cool. Uh, what's your go to camera lens? Uh, eighty. Well, uh, oh, it's gonna be the fifty <laughs> millimeter just because it's smaller. Mm, okay. I didn't even think about that when I was when I asked it. Is like my favorite my favorite focal length is eighty five, but my favorite lens to bring around is just a fifty. Good, cool, got it. Favorite place to eat in the DMV? I don't know. I'm just it's not it's not local, but I'm always just gonna say Wingstop. Wingstop is my <laughs> favorite restaurant to eat at in general. Oh, so I, it's funny when I asked that. I'm I, in my head. I was like. He's probably going to say something about Wingstop, <laughs> and you did. Yeah. You want me to tell you my order, too? It's a 50-piece, uh, 25 lemon pepper, 25 garlic parmesan, large fries, and then a strawberry Sprite. I don't know what I'll say at once, but that's just <laughs> – no, I'm just kidding. We share that. We share that. But it's typically the same order every time. <laughs> that's funny you say that because this is my next question. We go to In-N-Out. What are you ordering? In and out, uh, let's see, double uh, double. Sometimes a four by four, uh, animal style fries, animal style burger, uh, with root beer or Sprite, just depending on how I'm feeling. Oh, you don't Usually get you don't get the pink lemonade. No, no, it's oh. uh, I I like for uh, for me in general with fast food, I just like the bubbles. Yeah, so it helps me digest better. True. I don't know if it's because I'm older, but <laughs> I just like the bubbles. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why I get the pink lemonade when we would go to In and Out is because. They don't have, they have the other sodas everywhere else, but yeah, no carbonation sure. always makes it taste better. Yeah, um, like if, you and your McDonald's Sprite. Yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. Um, if you played in the NBA, what team would you play for? What position would you play? And what number would you wear? And why would you wear that number? I'm gonna I'm gonna go based off of like how I am in my point in life right now. So I'm gonna say the wizard, so I don't really have to move <laughs> or uplift my life. Um, and then you said position and number. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. All right, position. I would be a like it doesn't have I to be I, your size now. Like any anything. Gotcha. I would definitely be point guard, shooting guard, like a interchangeable one and two, okay, because I, I like to pass first before doing on my own. I really don't think I could create space <laughs> for myself on the court. So I like to pass and like, and do that. Okay. And then for number, I would just pick, I just pick zero. I don't know. Lately, I've just been picking zero for all my numbers. Uh, when I was playing in recent, like uh flag league. So just zero. Got it. Got it. Uh, you and three other dinner guests dead or alive. Who would they be? Oh God, uh, I don't want to say Kobe because I feel like Kobe would be judging me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, rest in peace to Kobe. I think he'd be. I think he'd be cool. So let's just put Kobe up there anyway. Okay. Um, uh, live. Let's see. I think I'm just on the mind of basketball. So Kobe, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson. Because mm, Kobe ooh. thinks those two are killers. So yeah. that'd be that'd be pretty cool to hear them go back and forth. Steph Curry is just gonna be a super nice guy and make me feel uh, make me feel welcome. <laughs> I, and then uh, and Clay Thompson is just funny without being yeah, funny. Exactly. Clay, we just <laughs> tied all that up. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, your biggest pet peeve? Uh, uh, it's easier to say UX design, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, biggest pet peeve? Um, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about that one uh, tweet I sent you guys where it's like, uh dogs dogs are my pet peeves and then after that he's just like oh we, we weren't talking about animals oh, yeah. so, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know i don't really get annoyed by a lot of things so i can't really think of one 
Uh, I guess. Uh, oh, oh, I got, I got one. Um, people that that smack their mouth when they chew or like chew like mm. horses. Mm. That's a huge pet peeve, actually. Got it. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, last question, and this is the universal question. I believe I didn't ask it in my other couple guests, but I'm bring it back. Um, very, very um, big debate. So, a hot dog in a hot dog bun. Would you call that a sandwich? Why or why not? Oh, I'm thinking about menus, and I'm just going to not call it a sandwich because it's just, like hot dogs are just, I've, I feel like hot dogs have their own place. They're just called hot dogs. And I feel like when I see them on menus, they have their own little section. <laughs> so I think that's how I'm going to go about it. I could really care less what it is as long <laughs> as it tastes good and has the right, right condiments. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to call it a sandwich because it wouldn't fall in that place in the uh, menu. Mm, that's a good one. And even one. even taking it a little bit further, people that call uh, some people say hamburgers are like on their own. Like it'll say hamburgers and sandwiches too, mm-hmm. and some menus. And it's it's kind of telling of me like how much how often I eat. I was gonna say I never <laughs> I really, would have thought about thinking of a menu. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, no to a sandwich. Hot dog is just its own section on the menu. That's so true though, because you have hamburger, and then if it's like a chicken sandwich, they call it sandwich. Exactly. Wow, exactly, interesting. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, they're all like, it's still like, yeah, sure, I'll yummy I'll eat a, a hamburger, <laughs> but I'll never call it a hamburger sandwich, and yeah. you'll call PB and J sandwich a PB and J sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Cool, I like that. That's a that's a um, aspect I didn't, I never thought about the menu part. Cool. Yeah, but it just shows you that I like to eat a lot, which is kind <laughs> of bad. <laughs> All right, okay, Miguel, this was this was great. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I really um, appreciate, like I said, um, you always being there in terms of if I have a question um, with photography or create, creativity stuff or even designing with this Breaking Barriers basketball or even my own personal design for coach for my coaching brand or whatever. Um, you've helped me with that. I I always think about the times where I'm like, Hey, what are you thinking about this and this? And you're just like, nah, that won't work. What about this? I'm like, Oh man, this is so much better. So your input on everything is always, always amazing. And I'm super grateful. I'm super grateful for you always being there. And, um, even in, you know, we talk about like cousin life and personal life and stuff, but, um, and also being, you know, being the creative director for, for this stuff, um, even though we've kind of been on a break in terms because of, of COVID and everything, but hopefully we can get things going again. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate the time. And um, I look forward to seeing you in the next couple of weeks for Xavier's birthday. Yeah, definitely, man. Excited to be there. Uh, excited to see you guys. Uh, definitely tell the family I say hi and thank you for having me on the podcast. Keep everything that you're doing with your coaching life and breaking barriers up. Uh, and definitely excited to hear more of the podcast as they start to come in. Appreciate you. Love you, Kimigo. All right. Love you, Daniel. That's it. This concludes another episode, episode eight of the Breaking Barriers Basketball Podcast. Thank you again to our creative director, Miguel Ablaza, for taking the time out of his busy schedule and having this great conversation. Breaking Barriers Basketball would be nothing without Miguel, and it makes things even more amazing being able to do things like this with family. You can follow Miguel on Instagram at miguel.ablaza. You can also check out his photography website, www.miguelablazaphotography.com, as well as previous projects in his portfolio at 
www.miguelablaza.com. Again, I'm Coach Daniel Diaz, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Coach D. Diaz. And if you're not following our organization's Instagram page yet, you can follow us at Breaking Barriers Basketball. You can also visit our website at www.breakingbarriersbasketball.com. Lastly, I want to shout out everyone who continues to show love and support to not only this podcast, but to our whole organization. We can't wait to get more events locked in in the future, so make sure you all stay tuned for those. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it.